At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. There we go. <laughs> Welcome you yeah. to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. And i got an old brother with me, Dustin Gibson. We happen to be at Munson Brothers. I couldn't think of a better location to do it. And so, uh, sidebar. Okay. And uh, Dustin, before uh, we get started, tell me a little bit about what, what you was working on before you got here. Before I got to Columbus just this time? No, before you got here. Oh. Uh, put a little bait in the Oh, yeah. No, just walked up off the creek, man. Yeah. Uh, put a little bait in the water, chased those bass around for a few hours. It was fun. Yeah, I got got a little ditch fishing going on. (laughs) (laughs) We got a little Instagram, my brother and I do, called Ditch Fish. Is that real? Yeah, really, we do. And so if we catch fish in drainage ponds or any, you know, non-major water source, no stocked ponds, if we catch fish, we put it on the little Instagram. There you go. We've caught all sorts of crazy stuff, man. Now, do you like, do you share the location? No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is legally ambiguous. (laughs) <laughs> as to whether or not we're allowed to be down in some of these places. <laughs> maybe in Mississippi, I may be in Alabama, I may be in uh, Nevada. I might. You don't know. I might be in uh, Bangladesh. <laughs> I might be in your backyard. You watch out. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, like, uh, well, I guess just with that, man, how long have you been into the outdoors? Oh, well, since I was a little kid, little tiny baby kid, man. We. Uh, so I guess that bleeds into kind of some of my backstory. I'm from uh, East Tennessee. What up, Knoxville? Yeah, just outside of Knoxville, a little community called Strawberry Plains in Jefferson County, Tennessee. It's about 45 minutes north of Knoxville. See a lot of Jefferson County tags in Starkville. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, Mississippi State has a pipeline uh, to Birmingham, to Memphis, and then just outside of Knoxville and Jefferson County. Okay. And that's where they do a lot of recruiting. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That would make a lot of sense. I know UT, University of Tennessee, does a lot of recruiting up there, but, you know, th- there are other schools, and, and uh, you know, Mississippi State has a strong ag program. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, a lot of veterinarians, specifically in the, the equine or the cattle and horse variety. Uh, I know that there's a lot of folks that come down here to go to school for for veterinarian reasons alone, not mm-hmm. to mention the other kind of ag-based uh, I mean, their engineering program is pretty dang good. Oh, dude. You know J.C. Long? Yeah. Yeah, some of the things that he's done, mm-hmm. pedal-wise, amp-wise. He's bad news, man. He's something else. Yeah, <laughs> he's pretty cool, man. I hadn't heard that name in a while, but, yeah, he's, he's good people. Uh, how long are you going to be around? Uh... I have a wedding in New Orleans next weekend. This coming weekend. Oh, sh- dude, come to the open mic. I'm gonna see if I can get JC to come out. 
All right. I bet he'd like to see you. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. When's open mic? 7 to 10 this Thursday. Thursday, okay. Yeah, if I'm still in town, I'll come. Right sure. I'm trying to figure out who all's riding with me and what's going on. i got to rent a car. And Fun times. Dude, take the something. van. <laughs> You'll be there by... You, you need to go right now. Yeah, I'm good to go right now. Yeah, if I leave in a minute, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make it make to the it. wedding. <laughs> but dude, yeah, back to it. So, uh, Jefferson County... Um, yeah, Jefferson County, Tennessee. Now, y'all, y'all started there because of uh, your dad's work, right? Right. Well, my my uh, mom and dad went to high school there. Um, they they my dad grew up in Jefferson City. Uh, my mom grew up over in Cock County, uh, which is a big agricultural area, really rural area of East Tennessee, borders North Carolina. Um, God's country. God, beautiful. And uh, you know, it's funny. Back then, my dad applied to several universities and he just said because uh, he went to graduate school at UT at University of Tennessee and he just said you know the first person that calls me back I'm taking the job and uh, MUW here in Columbus was the first person to call him back well, he got several other calls after the fact but he just said yes the first thing he said we'll go do it for like three or four years and 32 years later never left he retired from old MUW right here in Columbus Mississippi still rocks that UT hat though Oh, he's very proud of it, <laughs> as he should be. Yeah, absolutely. As he should be. Yeah, uh, man. But uh, talk about the culture. I mean, y'all grew up in somewhat of an antebellum. You yeah. Know, and that's what downtown Columbus is known for. Yeah. So that's that's really interesting. Again, they thought it was a short-term thing. So they, we first moved into faculty housing uh, down there um, near Cromwell, kind of back, I guess, north north end or south west end of this campus. And we lived there for several years, and then we moved over behind the public library and into an antebellum home. Yeah. Um, that's where I did most of my growing up. But, you know, that's where I, we lived when I was in high school and all sorts of other stuff. What was life like on, like, faculty, like you and you and your brother growing up just on the campus like It was that. rad, man. Uh, I couldn't. <laughs> At that time, were y'all punks? Were y'all into skateboarding oh, and all that? Yet? Oh, yeah. I, I started skating when I was eight. So that's, I think skateboarding actually, oddly enough, bleeds into that'll that's a through thread you know that's a, something i've been doing i still do it you know uh and it really informed a lot of i owe i owe a lot of who i am today to skateboarding i hear that a lot from like skateboarders man yeah. and i remember uh, the impression that tony hawk's skateboarder oh the, yeah just the soundtrack oh yeah had on me like I, that's how i found rise against uh one of my favorite bands Absolutely. still to this day yeah and uh just being a part of that punk culture and every time i would come to columbus like it or not, like I knew of you at that time. We were way younger then, mm-hmm. and uh, I grew up with Cameron Moore. You know him. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. so like he would skate. Yeah. And so like I was I was well aware of the punks and the skateboarders and all that. And it was always an interesting scene, but I had no center of gravity. Right. <laughs> I, I was just goofy and no balance. <laughs> That's awkward. But I love yeah. That's but I funny. loved it. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, yeah, man. We tore downtown up. You know, we got kicked off the W, I think, once or twice a week, you know. Um, but, you know, we kept at it, you know. And what was also cool is at that time there were a lot of younger teachers and professors and employees at the W had kids roughly our age. I went to elementary school at the demonstration school. Dem school is what they called it back in the day. And that was a elementary school that um, the education program's students could go shadow classes and watch, you know, your K through fourth grade teachers work in very small classrooms. Um, 
but only kids who were connected to the W or lived right around that immediate area. I mean, it's like a, I think it's like 10 blocks that covers their little district or whatever. Most of the other, I think, downtown folks went to Franklin mm-hmm. Academy, which I don't think is even still running think, as an elementary school anymore. I don't think it's a thing. Uh, Dem school isn't either. Um, that's, that's, that's a thing of the past. But I was talking to somebody last night who also went to Dem school, uh, who lives here locally. He's in the scene, uh, Toby Dean Hartle Road. Uh, and, you know, we were just joking about it, but we, we have a little mascot. And so we started calling ourselves the Dem Dragons. You know, because yeah. it was a little dragon insignia. We didn't have any teams or anything, but it was just, you know, go dragons or if you whatever. you got a school, you need a mascot. Yeah, yeah. You need something that you can collectively get behind. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's our little dim dragons thing. And it's funny that a lot of us, to this day, keep up, who all went to that elementary school. Yeah, dude. And there's probably about ten of us that are all still connected in some way. We text or call or, you know, work together when we're in the same town, that kind of thing. So pretty cool so skateboarding uh when would uh music and the art scene come into your life well um okay so that that kind of that's a that's a great segue my my dad is an art professor or was an art professor he's retired now professor emeritus um so he he was a graphic design professor he was a, a, a professor of watercolor design um illustration he did metal work uh all sorts of really cool classes that he that taught explains a lot why you're so damn good with your hands <laughs> then, uh. that was, it, it, it bled into my home life a lot you know and so i spent a lot of time around the arts and a lot of time around uh higher education academia was there ever a time when you were kind of turning your nose up to it yeah yeah i think when i was you know a lot of kids when they're in their t- 10 to 15 you know adolescent years I kind of thought, man, it's like, that's cool and all that you guys can do that. But I guess I just didn't really see the point back then. Yeah. Like, it, it seemed like something somebody would do for a hobby. You know, not somebody, you hear about the, the masters, obviously, you know, but like. Well, I mean, like, they say, like, if you want to disappoint your parents, be an artist or a musician. <laughs> well, it's so funny, man. Uh, when I started getting into it, my dad's like, you know, is she sure you want to do that? And I was like, come on, man, it's just a guitar or, you know come on man it's just some spray paint like it's not a big deal you know and he's like okay well i mean if you're gonna do it take it seriously you know and i think that did that did bleed over and inform a lot of my early impressions and i think that without that i probably wouldn't have the the fuel that i have today the just the passion for it all yeah they're just uh i don't know the other night we were talking uh i think it was Wednesday or Thursday, right before Oktoberfest. Right. And uh, we're going to get into it later, but uh, we briefly were just talking about the scene and, like, you know, it's like, I'm glad to see where it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, like, like anyone, dude, I couldn't imagine, like, in a, maybe a year or two and I had moved and then coming back and seeing what's happened, you know, right. I was like, well, I hope it's better than what I left it. Right, right, right. That's And that's a huge, uh, again, we'll get more into that later, but it's... It all—it's an ebb and flow, man. You have these hills and valleys, and hills and valleys, and hills and valleys, and that's normal for most communities. But it would have been really depressing to just see the whole thing collapse, collapse. 
you know. Yeah, dude, because at that time, dude, I remember uh, when I was first getting to hang out with you after we had met with Munson Brothers, started doing shows, hanging out, you invited me over to the the house that you had at the time. Yeah, and, yeah. And you and Alex had, like, built a stage slash... See the star stage? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, man, these guys kick ass. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting it. <laughs> We're getting after it back then. It had sure, a deal man. worked out with the law? <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Yeah, I was friends with a couple cops. I was like, hey, man. And they are like, dude, just keep it keep it before midnight don't make me come out there and i'm like i can try you know how we do but you know I, I even i even went to the city a couple of times and applied for uh permits and they were like unless you're going to like block the street or do a fair or be involved in some sort of if it's sanctioned in some way we really don't do that for like house shows, house shows. and that really wasn't the way they didn't really have any terminology for that. You know, pop-ups and, and indie scene music is really popular in bigger cities. Uh, but smaller towns don't always have the infrastructure, uh, I think, politically and just the way the municipal government works. I just don't think they have, they don't have the scope for it because there's not so, so very little of it going, going on, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think that they didn't really know what, what to call that other than loud. Yeah and disturbing of the peace yeah. to them it was always a negative you know and i was like no this is this is a positive thing for the culture like i i'm contributing i i, I probably hindsight 2020 could have become a little bit more politically minded myself and i don't mean that in like running for any sort of office or anything but getting better connected to some of the existing organizations you know you have the visit columbus uh you've got the columbus arts council shameless plug there yeah. uh, you've got the city itself you've got market street you've got downtown you've got all of these programs i just didn't you know as a young guy college kid i just didn't have an in i just didn't i didn't know you know mm-hmm. how to get into that and so i just kind of went around it myself you know and would go to house shows in oxford and go to house shows in starkville and take notes and be like oh this is rad but those were getting shut down left and right too so it's like ah, oh, it's just a price you gotta pay you know yeah have a little cash around so you can make bail I mean, it's gonna be worth. I've it. been arrested a lot <laughs> for really silly stuff, you know. <laughs> like, and it's like, oh well, you know. And good to have a buddy who's a lawyer every once in a while, you know. Like, hey man, I'm sorry, it's, it's a misdemeanor, it's a fine, but they still can take you. You know, it's like, damn, guys. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's that was a big part of it. Uh, getting back to your previous question, how yeah. skateboarding and um, and the culture, the downtown culture, kind of led into all that stuff. Um, as again, exposed to the art scene through my parents and through academia. But uh, for those of us who grew up in Columbus, we know this, or at least the kids who are my age. Um, you know, arts in the schools. You know, you you had marching band. Yeah, sure. You know, but uh, the, there was. A very small there was a drama class but uh, the entire time I was in high school I don't remember them producing a musical or doing a full performance of any kind I think they had a talent show or something every once in a while but like eh. there Dude, wasn't a lot of that in school by so. the time I hit high school at South Lamar we didn't even have enough uh, people interested to have a band like we didn't have a marching band wow and, wow. Did, and that's and like I, when I turned 15, I got into music, right? And that was going to be my out. I played baseball, but like once I got halfway proficient on guitar, I 
I hung up my batting glove. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't have an out. Right, right. You didn't have an outlet. You didn't know where to play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Having a ton of fun at home. But. And, so, and so I started throwing house parties. <laughs> right. <laughs> As you do. Yeah. I mean, you can't keep a can't keep a good dog down, uh, I guess, is what it's <laughs> the saying. But yeah, yeah we man. had the law called quite a few times. <laughs> yeah. But we had a, a friend of mine at the time, uh, happy birthday in heaven to you, but but uh uh, his dad was the sheriff, and he would always tip us off. And so every time they would arrive, we had already hit all the cars and turned all the lights <laughs> out, and we were just snickering in the dark while they were like shining their lights. <laughs> yeah, out in a soy field or something. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, man. But anyway, I've. Oh uh, uh, well, uh, you bring up marching band. So uh, this is a funny little story, but it's how I got into how I got into playing music. Um, so they had uh, we were at. Let's see. My God. Um, okay. We were at Hunt Intermediate. I would have been in the fifth or sixth grade at the time. And uh, they had some teachers or, you know, some band director or something from the middle school come over. And we all went in the cafeteria and we took a little test. I guess it was like to, you know, tones and stuff like that. Like, can you identify this as a B? They'd tell us it was a B, play it, and then play three things, and you, whatever. It was a little test. Mm-hmm. And if you scored highly on that little test, then uh, you kind of fast-tracked once you got to middle school to get into the band, um, the junior high band. Um, and I got a bunch of my buddies, all got their little letter back, and I didn't get one. Took the same test, didn't get one. I really wanted to play the drums. Like, that's one, you know, learn to play the drums. I was a skater at that point already, and I, you know, just listening to a bunch of punk music, you know, and so I just thought it would be fun to play the who drums some of those, in a punk band, you know. Who, who was some of those guys at that time? Uh, well, what was popular and what I was listening to were two different things. I started getting into a lot of skate punk, um, but then really kind of got into the hardcore punk scene, you know. I started listening to a lot of Black Flag, Anti Flag, uh, you know, a lot of those guys, mm-hmm. a lot of anything that uh, you know, Rancid or anything that Tim Timebomb was in, you know, I listened to. Uh, Blood Over into Ska a little bit, but I, that was a little less my scene. I guess I was just a bit more angsty. I liked the fast stuff, you yeah. know. And a lot of those bands aren't even registering anymore, but yeah, anything I could get my hands on. Um, what was huge at the time was your, you know, Blink-182 and your Green Day and all that. I don't know. I At the time, that's I kind post, of... That's post-punk to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's pop punk even. yeah yeah but those guys i think think of themselves as skate punk because of their age and like when they started doing it yeah but by the time they hit the mainstream to kids in columbus mississippi you know they were already you know hot topic was already a thing and we used to just laugh at that store you know like, like bah, you know boo kind of thing but know? dude to that point like just being from this area it seemed like we were the last to find anything oh yeah 10 years behind yeah 10 years behind Mm-hmm. Anything that's current now is 10 years, you know, or it, that then anything that was current for us was 10 years old on the West Coast, you know. So if you're, if what people were listening to in Venice, uh, you know, on uh, Newport Beach, Manhattan Beach, or any of those big, you know, skate communities out of the area, like Los Angeles, OC area, which is where a lot of that stuff comes from. I mean, that's the mecca mm-hmm. for skateboarding and skate culture, right? Uh, we were all getting it 10 years later, you know. So. Uh, you know, I think there's there's a lot of that going mm-hmm. on, We're, and we kind of I don't know. I we, you kind of learn to love to hate stuff. I don't. That seems a really weird way of saying that. 
And I kind of steer away from that now. But you get into these little subcultures, and it's like your 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 purists, you know, your die-hard skaters, your die-hard punks. They're not. They're very specific about what they consider real punk rock, or you know, we've all heard the term poser, right? You know, there's, <laughs> you know, we did, you know, yeah. and, and or don't hold your board like that. You you don't mall grab it. You look like a you know bozo. You look like mm-hmm. you look like a grom, man. Don't do shit like that. So, and I think it was also about like, did you come to skate? Or did you come to hang out and sit on your board, you know? And so I think for us, it was always like, well, we came to skate. So let's go get ourselves hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? um, I don't know. I was probably 15 or something. And I got hurt pretty bad on a stair set. And uh, I came out of the CAT scan and woke up at, in the, at the hospital. Jeez, and dude. I came out of the CAT scan. And my dad's like, hey, you considered maybe not doing this? And I remember going, nope, and then back into the casket. <laughs> I'm fine, I think, but, you know, it's like... I still hear that noise. <laughs> it's, it's my natural alarm. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so got in skateboarding, um, then took that music test and didn't get a letter. And all my buddies were like, you know, we're going to go play the tuba or whatever. And I was like... Nope. So that Christmas, I was in uh, it was in Knoxville with my family visiting my grandparents, and I had my dad take me over to um, to a guitar store downtown. DC. And, uh, no, this was uh, DC music was up. We were in Knoxville, and I, okay, uh, Groon Guitars, I believe. No, that was that's in Nashville. I think there was a Groon Guitars in Knoxville. Man, I need to look that up. I can't remember the name of the guitar shop, but it was downtown Knoxville. And I bought a little, uh, like a Super Strat Jackson, you know, kind of a metal guitar at the time, but it was electric blue and, you know, set up like a Stratocaster, but had humbuckers on it, you know, and was fast and, you know, way more guitar than I should have been playing at the time. But (laughs) bought that thing. um, And then my folks, you know, knew that I was interested in doing that. And so they had gone to DC music here in town and bought a little crate practice amp and gave that to me for Christmas. This episode of porch talk is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Caldera lab. If you go to calderalab.com slash porch, uh, at checkout, you can use promo code porch and save 20% off your total purchase order. A little bit about Caldera lab. It was clinically tested to work on dry, normal, and oily skin, nine out of ten men who tried this product continue to do so, and they could tell a difference uh, with their skin. Uh, there's an improvement in the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles, elasticity, dark spots, skin tone, and more. It really helped me out with the crow's feet and the wrinkles on my forehead. I have been using the good for about a week now and they also uh, sent me the clean slate icon and the base layer and uh, i've never really been into skincare products i was excited to give caldera lab a shot and i'm glad i did and so as you get a little bit older like myself um, maybe you would like to give these skincare products a try for your face and maybe you'll tell a difference just like i am uh I'm 32, but I'm currently looking about 23. So uh, look out. 
for me, once again, if you go to calderalab.com slash porch, use promo code porch, and you'll save 20% off of your purchase order. Back to the show. And so there I had my little, you know, 15 watts of solid state. Would, you be, would you be self-taught or? Yes. 100%. Now, this was at the rise of the internet with uh, YouTube and Ultimate Guitar, right? Yeah, well, uh, not Ultimate Guitar wasn't around yet, so this would have been, let's see, 20, 27 years ago, 26 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, yeah, so, I mean, you're talking about Y2K was just, like, happening. Yeah, we were know? still freaking out whether or not there was going to be an internet. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> the aliens were coming. Correct. So I think yeah, ninety nine, yeah. probably when that happened. Uh, when I started getting like into playing regularly, and then uh, again, still skateboarding, and uh, I got a job printing T-shirts at a screen printing slash skate shop that was run by my buddy Eric Studdard and his business partner Austin Shout Healy. Out, dude. Yeah, yeah. Austin Healy and Eric Studdard ran a little uh, GHS Graphics right next to the Trotter Convention Center, and so after school, I'd hang out over there. And they had a modest but pretty cool little deck selection and trucks and bearings and T-shirts that they would do. And they, they skated, you know. So I got a job washing screens and printing T-shirts in the afternoon with them when I was in high school. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I would c- come by the shop around, you know, 2 or 3 in the afternoon every day. And uh, we'd all close the shop down around 5.30 or 6 and go out behind the trotter and skate. We had rails and little quarter pipes and stuff that we'd you know, tear out of vans and trucks yeah. and stuff and turn ourselves into a little skate park down there. It's a good spot for it, too. Yeah, and and the, co- the cops were pretty chill about it, actually, because they knew that we were running, the, running that shop, and so they'd come by and be like, you boys be safe out there, you know, stay off the sidewalks and the streets, you know, stay in the parking lot. But it was our parking lot, so, you know, they couldn't really run us off, but yeah. as long as we weren't, which we were, but they didn't catch us a lot of the times with the stairs and the handrails, and there was a big, gnarly gap from Zachary's parking lot and this is right after it really became Zachary's. Um, you could go from Zachary's parking lot. I think they've got like that patio bar, mm-hmm. their little smoking area out there now. But you could come off of those steps that go under that, or you could come over the planter box into the street. Woo! That was a gnarly one, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we I were vaguely always... <laughs> remember what that looks like before. Yeah, yeah. It was when it was just the building, yeah. and there was no patio up front, so you could just pull ass, man. And on a Sunday. That place was closed, and all the shops downtown were closed, and the cops were never out. Man, we would just tear that up. There's another cool set of stairs right by uh, the old elbow room. It goes down, I think it's a 13 set, so 13 steps. It's got a sick handrail. Um, we'd light that up. Down the road, Court Square Towers, big glass building by the Y. Mm-hmm. It had a five set, a four set, and a three set. And we would planter box. Uh, one of my buddies, uh, a guy named Shane Tubbs, uh, you Nobody, nobody's ever heard of him. <laughs> He's a bit of a skater too. Yeah, yeah. He was out with us that time at that time too. Um, so he was always coming around. Uh, and so we had a little posse. Another uh, call out locally, uh, William Bart Lawrence. Uh, he was coming down every day and skating with us. Yeah. Uh, you may know him by the princess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. That's that was kind of the culture, right? And yeah. so that shop had a little basement area underneath it, and yeah, a just, shop door. Just all those guys y'all used to kick it and skateboard with are, every day are just like every day. 
Man, like I've spent more hours with just, those names than just think about what all they're doing today. <laughs> I know. That's so wild, dude. <laughs> it was wild too. Because all those dudes are like ten years older than I am. Yeah. Right? So like all of them. And so I was like the shop little brother, you yeah. know? And and they got to this. So thing. at this time, like, were they giving you shit? Uh, oh yeah, sh- what they they were giving you shit. Oh yeah, constantly. <laughs> but it got to the point where you know I'm just the type of person you give me shit, I'm challenge accepted. You know, like that means I gotta I gotta push harder. You know, you're gonna <coughs> call me a poser. You guys are all old. Watch this. You know. Yeah. And so they got to the point where if something was a little bit too big. Or a little heavy. You, you had to. They would go. They would ag me on until I would do it. Is that how you ended up in the cat scan? It's <laughs> exactly how I ended up in the cat scan, <laughs> Eric. <laughs> it's his fault. <laughs> oh, um, and that bleeds over to something I was mentioning earlier. Eric, um, uh, Katie McDill, Brad McDill. Oh man, rest in peace, Chris McDill. Um, all yeah, those guys were students of my dad's as well. So they were all in college and students of my dad's. So I kind of knew them fr- from that as well. Two ways. Yeah. So, you know, I think my folks thought it was, you know, those were mildly responsible guys. You know, they weren't they weren't giving me drugs or, you know, anything like that. So I think they were cool that I was spending a lot of time up there. Um, you know, my dad wishes I didn't get hurt as much. I'm sure I... I now know the pain of insurance and a premium and what that does to your deductible and all that when your kid's getting cat yeah, scans all dude. the time and you're a school teacher. He's probably not too stoked about it, but, you know, it is what it is. It all turned out all right. Yeah, for the most part. <laughs> um, His head is halfway screwed up. Yeah, yeah my, my, my head's on there. Um, it's my knees and ankles that don't don't always love me. Yeah. Uh, I've had some surgeries and other things that are, yeah, a little gnarly. But anyway, uh, the basement at the skate shop. So uh, Austin Healy was a drummer, mm-hmm. uh, and he had just a whole bunch of buddies that played music, didn't really skate, but played music. And they would, we'd skate in the early evening. And play and music by night. And then all these other dudes would start showing up, you know, somebody bring a case of beer or whatever. Again, I'm like 15, 16 years old, you know. He, yeah. he wouldn't touch it, by the way. He, yeah, he, yeah, no, totally. No, I, I was no. not doing any of that. No, uh, no way. But you'd have guys in there. We'd still be skating, and I'd hear them, you know, just in there jamming. You know, man, they were good, dude. Uh, half seas over. And so, like, how proficient were you at this time? Not. Because I, I was about to say, was terrible. You, you're about to step down there and be like, boys. <laughs> oh, I wish. You know, <laughs> and I had this idea. So one day, you know, I'd bring that little Jackson in my 15-watt little crate. And I don't know. I'd learned a little Zeppelin lick or a... You know, yeah. yeah, had to do a little surf punk or like I don't know something I thought was really rad, and got in there and just got them. They wiped the floor with me, man. And they they're like, you know, Dusty, you're all right, but like, you got a long way to go, buddy. Yeah, it's a long way to the top <laughs> if you want to rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but they were cool enough, and I think skateboarding kind of lubricated that. You know, that I was still my chops were getting better and better on the board, and. I think, you know, not that these were super judgmental guys, but they weren't they weren't going to let a 15-year-old kid hang out if he couldn't keep up. And I just kind of knew that. So, my thing was just sit down there on the base in the basement on the couch and just watch these guys play, you know, and go, "Damn, that's that's rad, you know, and he'd have friends come in from Atlanta. He'd have friends come in from Birmingham, a lot of whom skated. Uh, oh, so, I mean, like I'm seeing the ideas for things coming. Right. That's where it started. Right, it's all where it started. So I'm working in a, in a screen printing shop, printing T-shirts, learning graphic design, 
High school was a joke to me at that point. Of course it was. I mean, Nobody I just cared about the test. I didn't care at all. I'll be honest with you. Um, and not to toot my own horn, but my grades were okay. You know, I, yeah. was, I was a B student. You know, I wouldn't get no valedictorian, but I was passing my classes. But wasn't trying either. But I wasn't trying. And yeah. I'm not trying to shit on Columbus School District, but at the same time, it wasn't like they made it terribly hard. Yeah. You know, keep out of trouble. That was the biggest thing. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know, <laughs> smoke weed in the car. Yeah. yeah not on a hall. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That was a good way to stay in school, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's what, that was the, that was my competition, was like the guys who were burning blunts next to the science class. Like, tone it down, boys. <laughs> right. Like, so I was like, oh, that's I can. what the parking lot's for. <laughs> I cannot do that. That's easy <laughs> enough, you know? So, again, school is kind of a joke. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, so this is like my, my sophomore year. And uh, several of my very close friends uh, applied uh, and got in at MSMS. And so that's a junior, senior high school class, right? So I come back junior year and like half my buddies are gone. Oh, man. And they're like, they're not in my classes. I don't ever see them because they're living on campus now. Yeah, yeah, and they're you, at have, MSMS. you have to, yeah. It's a boarding school, so to speak. So I was like, shit, man, you know, like now, now this is really gone south for me in high school like I don't have buddies I don't have you know all my friends are either older and skating you know but all have like you know rent to pay and job to do and da 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 you know I was like this is just super lame um I got in to the autom- the uh, automotive mechanics program at the high school which is probably the only thing that kept me in high school frankly um yeah I mean definitely why I have an education at all is because of that and a guy named Dale Henry was the teacher. And he saw, I guess, saw a little bit of a spark there. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> it's funny, man. Uh, I This is a cool story, right? So um, we're about halfway through the first uh, semester. 
um, of my, what would be my, let me see, junior year, right? And uh, I'd asked a girl out. Her name was Jamie Horton. And I, uh, I'd like planned to go to the movies or whatever with her and some friends and stuff. It was like this thing I was trying to, you know, ask this girl out, right? Oh, yeah. And I came into the uh, living room. My dad was watching TV or whatever. And I was like, hey, Dad, Pop, can I uh, borrow 20 bucks? And he was like, why? And I was like, well, there's this girl I want to take out. You know, I don't, have any, I don't have any cash on me right now. So I was wondering if you could spot me. And he was like, yeah, I got you. You know, this is on like a Tuesday or Wednesday, right? And the date was supposed to be that weekend. And so uh, I walked across the room. He took his wallet out, you know. He pulled out two 20s. It's 40 bucks. It's like, sick, you know. I'm going to light the Malco up with this one, you know. For sure, a good time. <laughs> like, we're going to go to Sonic. Like, it's going to be badass, you know. Yeah. Like, Dinner and a movie. <laughs> Dinner and a movie, man. Corn dogs and a movie, right? Yeah. I think the first Matrix was coming out or something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, anyway... Um, I walked over there, and the minute my hand touched those little two $20 bills in my dad's hand, and he, and he kind of held them for a second. He was like, hey, man, have a job by Monday. And I was like, uh, I have a job. He's like, no, no, a real job. Okay. Because what he saw is, you know, Dusty's grand, my, my grandfather gave me a car, right? So I had a old busted Bronco too that ran about half the time. Uh, you know, well, that's five. what the auto school was for. Correct. <laughs> so it's lived up at the high school. You know, it lived behind in you know the, the gated area behind the shop. You know, I was always tinkering in it and changing yeah. carburetors and doing, you know, kid shit. You know, trying to make my own lift kit, welding like pipe together to make a like a, it was dumb, but. We had a lot of fun doing it. You thought you was on to something. Yeah, though, I was up. Uh, at the time, dude, you couldn't have convinced me that I wasn't really, yeah. really in there. Um, anyway, so I went to the shop teacher, and I was like, yo, Henry, uh, my dad said I got to have a job. Like a real job. And he was like, well, about time. And so he made a couple of phone calls, and he had uh, one of the guys over at Air Control Engineering. Um, it was a buddy of his, air conditioning mechanic. And uh, I got in over there as just shop help, sweeping the shop, you know, organizing the racks of steel and organizing the duct work. And, you know, every time a, a, a tech would come in, they'd clean out the back of his truck. You know, he'd take all the little pipe fittings and stuff and sweep out the back of his truck and, you know, rearrange his torches or, you know, whatever it was, his little welder or whatever he had back mm-hmm. there, open his tool cases and put the tools back in, right? You know, shit like that. So, doing auto mechanics in school, going to work after this. My dad was an artist. I knew about art. I knew a lot about music, or was getting to know a lot about music. Um, you know, had always a rattle around a milk crate or two full of spray paint cans, you know, and that kind of art. That, like, really basic stuff, you know, but street art, basically. Yeah. And graphic design, and I was starting to get into some of that stuff. And uh, there I was, now, like, had this job, job, job. And uh, so that summer, I worked full-time. And that's where I learned to weld. I learned uh, how to bend and fabricate sheet metal. Um, oh, that's going to come yeah, to play. Yeah. I got my first, uh, um, what do they call that? It was like a uh, permit, like, you know, a like driver's permit, but my, like, um, apprentice-level forklift license while I was there. 
Uh, I learned to you know drive a backhoe and you know small small machinery and stuff like that. I still end. do this at my job today. I yeah, a little sleep of paper I keep in my pocket, just like parts and wreck. Yeah, like when it comes to forklift, dude, I've been driving a forklift for fifteen years. <laughs> so I, I go over to the warehouse at work and they got a forklift and I needed something down and like I couldn't find the the shop guy that does that right mm-hmm. and I just hop on the forklift and I'm getting it down and uh, he walks over there he's like man I'm supposed to do that and I was like hold on. <laughs> Pulled the piece of paper I was like here He's like what's that And I was like read it I do what I want He's like That ain't gonna fly I was like it just did <laughs> That's hilarious A uh, lot of that Yeah you know, a lot of getting The forklift stuck A lot of you know Just screwing up But I learned a lot From that job um, The job sucked But For me it was awesome Because I would You know every time I'd see a guy doing something That I didn't know how to do I He's trying go, to pick it up. I just go over there and annoy the piss out of him until you're like, fine, fine. I'll show you how to do that. You know, yeah. I'll show you how to level pipe. You know, and then they get the stick welder out and not warn me. Hot oh, dude, come on. Yeah. You know, dickhead stuff. Just being assholes. But hey, I learned it the rough and tumble way. You know. Um, anyway, that bleeds into all this. I spend that entire summer working, and. Uh, Picking Man. up all these trades. Yeah. So I think minimum wage at the time was just under six bucks an hour, but I I ended up making nine dollars an hour at that place, nice. and uh, they they let me work overtime. And so for a young man, you know, 16, 17 year old, about that age, I was making some pretty decent money mm-hmm. for me. You know, way better than the you know hundred bucks every two weeks that the skate shop would give me. Yeah. You know. So I missed being able to hang out with those dudes because I was working into the evenings now. And uh, I would work at that shop, and then we started my senior year. I started hanging out with the guys that I had that had left me behind and had gone on to the uh, MSMS. So I would get off work right about the time they would have their like recreational hours in the evening, where they could like go and like you know yeah, because they were kind of stuck way. on campus, right? Yeah, yeah. You can't leave. Like you have you have a couple of hours. I think it's like. It's like five to eight or something, five to nine or something. You had your kind of rest hours or whatever. And mm-hmm. if you had a car, you could check yourself out and go get food and do stuff like that. But it was like those specific times during the day because um, they were still minors, you know. They were still kids, you know. So yeah. I'd go over and hang out with my buddies over there. Dude, at that time, like, when you lost all your buddies and they went to MSMS and, like, mm-hmm. you know, junior years going by, you're working, did it, did it feel like – you had a lost connection that you wouldn't be able to rekindle. Was there was there ever anything like that to you? I think I was scared of that happening. I think it didn't happen, but I think I was scared of that happening because I would see these guys who started working again, like in the area at Air Control, when they were kids, and they were still there. And mm-hmm. I was like seeing like I would see a lot of what I didn't want to be. I didn't know my path. I didn't know my way out, but I knew it's like this. Working in a sheet metal shop for the rest of my life is not it. That's not what I want to be doing. Yeah. You know, and so um, I keep thinking my brother's going to show up and take his little tiny truck. So <laughs> um, anyway, um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I started hanging out there. Uh, one of my buddies introduced me to a friend of his, and she and I started dating, uh, which was really cool. Um, and so we started dating. She was going to MSMS. I was still at Columbus High. And we dated my whole senior year. And uh, 
she wanted to go when she graduated she wanted to go to New York she wanted to get into the theater mm-hmm. now she was going to a math and science school yeah. and had all these really huge potentials for um, like scholarships and getting into big programs for math and science anything other than theater and the arts yeah. but that's what she wanted to do so my the summer after my senior year her dad said, you know, I want you to go to college. Uh, she said she didn't want to go. He said, you pretty much have to. So they got in this big thing. Anyway, they at the end of the argument, he was like, you can, you can have a semester worth of off time. And she was like, I'm going to New York. But yeah, at the time, I love this girl. Like, I was like, well, then I'm going to. Did you? Yeah. You went to New York? Yeah, so the summer after I graduated high school, I went to New York City. Oh, <laughs> culture shock, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, from like five years old to 18 years old, I had spent here in Columbus, Mississippi. Yeah. Vacations in Knoxville. I went and spent a summer in middle school with my grandparents at the beach. But that was like my abroad information, you know. And there, boom, I find myself, you know, in the south side of Washington Heights, north of the George Washington Bridge, 82nd and Pinehurst, <laughs> on the island in New York, you know. But, I mean, one thing about her, she had it right. Like, if you want to pursue, like, and I wish I would have known this then, but, dude, just being a southern boy, I didn't have any dreams toward New York. But, yeah. like, you know, one thing they say about music, comedy, or anything in the arts, you either go to New York or you go to Los Angeles. Right. Now, like, with people, you know, like, now with music, you have the option of Austin or maybe even Nashville. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But even then, oh, good luck, buddy, because everybody's already there. Yeah. And they were already there for her, too, yeah. you know, and for me. And I didn't even know, like, I mean, I knew a little bit of graphic design, but I wasn't, I knew skateboarding, you know, and so punk rock. You, but you were up there on the whim and in love. I mean, what mm-hmm. were you, what were you going to be doing to pass the time while she was trying to get in theater? Yeah, so I started, like, uh, just applying to wash dishes places and stuff, you know. And anyway, long story long, uh, the relationship tanked. While in New York? Yeah. And so she stayed, and I, I came home. Tail between your legs. Tail between my legs. My parents mad at me, you know, all, all this stuff. Back to my dad's house, and my dad was like, college. I didn't teach for this long for you to not go to college. Mm-hmm. I was like, Dad, where am I going to get into school? Like, am I going to go turn wrenches? Like, anyway, so long story short, I started going uh, to the W, mm-hmm. where Dad taught. Not declared major, nothing, you know. But I couldn't go back to my job at air control because I was a student. I was a full-time student, didn't have time. And so I applied. This is my first first semester, uh, my freshman year. I applied at the physical plant, like the maintenance department at MUW, and said, hey, I can weld. I can work on stuff. I can fix toilets. I can run a lawnmower. I can do all these kinds of things. Uh, you guys have any part-time work that I can do while I'm still taking classes? And they were like, well, we'll get back to you. And the lady called me several weeks later and was like, hey, I have your name on file that you have some shop experiences and you might want to do some work. And I was like, yeah, actually, that'd be rad. 
And again, I got back with my buddies who were running the skate shop. I was skating again pretty avidly, you know, and all this stuff. And um, she was like, the guy in the theater department wants to talk to you. The guy that runs the scene shop in the theater department wants to talk to you, wants to meet you. And I was like, okay. I don't know anything about theater. My, you know, ex did, but I didn't. Probably felt some kind of way about theater, too. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of like, lame, you know? Like, what did I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) And so I was like, fine, I'll go talk to the guy. I go talk to David Carter, and he knew my dad. I was like, so here's what we do in here. We build the sets for the shows. And we have some of the students who are capable of doing that, but a lot of them are here for, like, acting and performing. And we have a small technical um, department inside the theater department. And uh, we really just need, we need extra hands in the shop for about 30 hours a week. And I was like, okay, I, I took the job. And so there I was in the carpentry shop at the theater department, you know, building flats and stairs and platforms and stuff. I didn't, they, I didn't know what it was for, you know. But I started seeing the kids that were taking classes and doing the theater stuff and so like poking my head into rehearsal you know and going like what's going on in there mm-hmm. you know and they were having improv class or you know like acting class two or whatever and like they're all you know eyes closed laying on the ground imagining themselves as trees or what you know just doing the whole pro and I'm like this is the weirdest like but cool thing mm-hmm. and then I built a show called House of Bernarda Alba for them and they ended it taking it to a college theater conference competition and did like uh, several colleges and they kind of toured the show. They toured my set, the set that I largely built. And I got to go. Very cool. This episode of Porch Talk is also sponsored by Manscaped. You can go to manscaped.com and at checkout use promo code Porch Talk, all one word, Porch Talk. All one word, receive 20% off your total purchase order and get free shipping. Uh, Manscaped sent me the performance package 4.0 that comes with their beard trimmer, uh, the weed whacker, which is for those unsightly ear and nose hairs, and then the lawnmower, which is for you downstairs. It also comes with the crop preserver and the crop reviver. Uh, that is for... Um, as for your genitalia there there boys uh it'll keep you from uh if you're ever been in the south in the summer uh, you know a little bit about how it feels down there and those two wonderful products will uh, help you feeling cool and keep you smelling good so you don't smell like a foot so go to manscape.com and if they are the leading company when it comes to men's grooming they also the performance package comes with the most comfortable pair of underwear i've ever owned so if you have never given manscaped a try i highly recommend them you can go to manscaped.com use porch talk as your promo code at checkout receive 20 percent off your total purchase order and uh man just look at my beard if that says anything about them should say it all i got the best beard around no doubt about it now back to the show loading unloading the set you know and seeing these different theaters and seeing my little modest set go into these different colleges and then got to watch our performance and then the other colleges perform 
yeah. and see their sets and know oh, if they've got a turntable and oh shit they have a spiral staircase oh your mind got to working yeah and i was like again back to air control i was like man how do i do that that's rad uh-huh. you know that seems fun you how know, can we take this to the next level correct and so that second year i was at their little retreat at the end of the year they asked me to come you know hang out with them i think i hung some lights and stuff in their little uh uh, it was like a little camp house type ballroom, cafeteria room or whatever. I think I put up some lights or something. And uh, they were all talking about what they want to do, and they were making this list of goals and stuff. And I just raised my hand. I was like, I, I don't really have any goals, but I think I want to become a theater major. And uh, Peppy Betty, who was the chair of the department at the time, was like, done. Ooh. I can do that. And I was like, okay. So that next year, I signed up for my first acting class. You know, I uh, signed up for music theory. You know, I've been playing guitar for at that point for five years, you know. So I kind of knew music, but I didn't know music theory. Yeah. You know, and there I was in college being a theater arts major, you know, like didn't know anything. I mean, pe- people would be like, this show, you know, this show. Like, I've seen Family of the Opera. And they were like, no, I was like, in New York. And they were like, what? Really? I was like, yeah, I mean, I saw the show. It was mm-hmm. rad, but, like, I don't know what they were doing. You know? <laughs> like, right, yeah. I can't do that. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember, like, just, man, when I went down to the University of Mobile for college, and I was, uh, I minored in music, mm-hmm. and I was around, I was in the, the show choir and, like, in these big productions, and then, uh, like, music theory, and then eventually, like, semester two, music theory two lab threw me out because I couldn't side sing. Mm. Because like you, you would go one on one to professor's office, and he would have sheet music for you, no piano. Yeah, and you would have to look at the note and just sing it. And yeah, like, I couldn't do that either. Yeah, and when he gave that to me, I just gave it back, and I was like, I can't do that. I can't man. do that. And I he just, maybe pick it out on the piano. Yeah, I was like, if you but, if you help me, it, like if you could show, like let me hear the first note. Yeah. No, this is a test. I was like, uh, count me oh, out. Oh, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, I mean, I know how to play. Mm-hmm. I just, I can't just look at a note and know what it sounds like. Though. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So that's kind of the same situation that I was in, you know, uh, but I had, I had the, the technical theater stuff to lean on. So at the W that's where I took, uh, you know, my first lighting class. My first um, audio engineering class, uh, started learning some stuff about that. Uh, and by that time, I had amassed, uh, you know, several more guitars and quite a number of little uh, amplifiers. Speakers. Speakers. PAs. Uh, PAs, all sorts of stuff. And I had t- kind of started teaching myself how to fix that equipment. So I go to, like, a pawn shop and see, like, a... I remember like when a, you were leaving. I remember some of that equipment. It was like, oh, hey, it's, we got some cheap stuff. You want to come by and look? <laughs> You're welcome to have it. <laughs> yeah. Like... But, man, I started amassing that stuff, and my buddy Kyle and I rented a little house on 7th Street. It was like a mother-in-law suite. It was like there was a house and then another little building. We rented that other little building and stayed in there and lived in there and uh, had, like, three drum sets and a bunch of guitars, a bunch of guitar amplifiers, bass amplifiers and stuff. And, yeah, no, I'd go to pawn shops and pick something up and then just take it apart mm-hmm. and start, like, you know, just get you know two alligator clips and start poking shit till it shocked me you know and be like okay well that's where the power is there ouch 
you know, right. I started kind of going, now I know what a resistor is. Now, you know, now I know what the transformer's function is. Now I know the difference between solid state and a vacuum tube process. And like, I just started kind of teaching myself those little things, just being a guitar nerd, you know, like mm-hmm. getting into the gear and then coming back to class. And none of these kids knew any of that stuff. And so like, I remember their lighting rack dimmers went down one year and I like got on eBay and like found a bunch of parts and fixed them. And the teacher was like, I thought that was going to be thousands and thousands of tens of thousands of dollars. We're going to have to buy a whole new like dimmer rack, you know? And I was like, no, just shut the breaker off so I don't kill myself and let me play. And of course I'm pulling out these rheostat dimmers from the seventies, like here, me and a voltmeter, you know, ohms, beep. Trying to figure out what's good. What no beep. Okay, let's fix that thing. What is that? I'd write down the little code on top of it and get on eBay and find that little component and solder it back in there and Mm -hmm. fire it back. Okay, I got lights. Next one, lights. Got next, you know, and just kind of hobbled it together. And, um, yeah, again, got the whole lighting rig working again. Uh, Anyway, uh, I was doing all that, and uh, one thing that's really cool about MUW and several other, this is true at Mississippi State as well, uh, a woman named Melanie Harris uh, is and was really big at the time over at Mississippi State mm-hmm. um, in the theater department, and really in theater in Mississippi in general. She's just a really big a proponent of the arts and proponent of the performing arts. Uh, I think she was originally a costumer, but she like worked, uh, worked for Disney and maybe even worked for Cirque. Cirque du Soleil back in the day. Uh, okay. She was really talented, and I, I leaned into those guys quite a bit. And then a guy named Dex Edwards at Ole Miss um, became close with him. But what these smaller s- departments would do is they would encourage their students to go get internships at theaters during the summer between semesters of classes. And network. So, network, yeah. Even if it didn't pay much just an internship just go be an assistant costumer in Virginia or you know go to Orlando and just volunteer at Disney dude man that whole know? time while I was at University of Mobile in the off season I didn't I didn't take I didn't take semesters off but I remember like the the guys I was in class with especially like when it came to the music program like they were doing just that yeah they were about to go oh I'm interning uh, so and so like way out somewhere yeah yeah and they'd come back, and the next thing you know, like, they would be there for, like, half the next semester, and they found a job, and, they're, like, they're still doing it today. So that's exactly what <laughs> happened to me, is I went off and got, oh, I got an intern. My first internship was at William Carey University in Hattiesburg. Uh, I worked for a guy named Obra Quave, and they had a dinner theater down there. And during the day, I would run the shop and, and build the sets. And at night, they'd do shows, and I would wait tables, because it was a dinner theater. Yeah. And so the deal was I got a little stipend, a free place to stay in the dorms, and I could keep tips. Give you a little walking around, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, rad, you know, and I got my buddies to come down there and do it uh, with me. And, you know, they started, like, scenic painting, you know, a couple of them. And then so I did that for a whole summer down there. And then it came time to go back to school, and I got a phone call from one of the directors that worked there and said, hey, man, I'm doing a show at this theater in North Carolina do you want to come up here and do that? And I called David and was like, hey, man, I'm not coming back to school this semester. And he was like, well, dude, you, you know, you're know, you on a track to graduation. Like, that's really going to set you back. And I was like, yeah, but I'm going to learn. Yeah. I'm going to go to this theater in North Carolina and do this. And so I did that. 
okay, well, I didn't, that's, that stopped, and okay, you know, so I come back home, right? Um, the, we, my buddy Kyle got evicted while I was gone, mm-hmm. so like, now I'm back at my parents' house, you know, re-enrolling classes, come back to school. Starting do, over. Do another semester. Uh, and that happened in 2007, I believe it was, uh, I went. I got involved with a, a nonprofit organization called Global Connections that connects uh, for-profit and education uh, organizations with organizations like the Peace Corps and Tears of Africa and things like that. Um, I got in and was able to get all of the money that they were going to pay me to go to my college. So it was like a scholarship program or whatever. So 2007, I believe it was, I quit school again and uh, went to Africa. Global Connections has followed me on Instagram since the first time you were on the show. I, I wonder if there's a connection to that. Uh, yeah, probably. The The guy who started Global Connections is a Columbus guy. His name's A.B. Puckett. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so A.B. Puckett. connection. Then. Yeah, he started Global Connections. I don't know if I'm why we're connected to, but there's there's a handful of people in town who are still, I think, involved in that organization. Um, anyway, so I went to Africa, and we like built built a couple of or- orphanages, did some uh, medical um, like camps and stuff like yeah. that. Did some well digging, and just um, I've been to Tanzania, Kenya, Uganda, and did all this North um, East Africa stuff. And again, dropped out of school, took a sabbatical yeah. to do that. And so there I am. I'm now. Well, dude, at that time, like I mean. Like, what were you looking for? Were you just kind of... Did you feel kind of lost, or... You no, just, I was just kind of looking for the next... What's the next thing was? What's the next thing? Like, I was I was just hoping that one of these little things would wind up... Being your thing? Being my thing, you know? So, it's just like... And, you know, again, back in the day, back in high school, I learned to work on cars. I learned to work on heavy machinery. I learned to work on diesel. And then I got that job at that air conditioning place, and like I just had these skills. oddly useful skills. I could weld well. I could still weld really well. Like, um, there just wasn't a lot of people who could do that. Not in theater, not in nonprofits, right? You know. And so it was just a useful skill to have me around, and I wasn't expensive because all my money was going to education anyway. Yeah, use a so, utility. Yeah, and uh, I just leaned into that, and uh, because of that. I had, like, irons and all these different fires. You know, I was playing guitar, I was skateboarding, I was printing T-shirts, I was welding, I was, you know, digging a well in Africa. I was, you know, do, just boom, 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 boom. And it got really sporadic. And I realized, man, I'm about to hit my fourth year of college, and I'm a sophomore. <laughs> yeah. I've been <coughs> and that on feels, and off And that feels some kind of way. In college. I turned 21 in Africa, and I was nowhere near graduating. Not even close. Yeah. It's up to you what you really want to do. 
time anywhere What did you know? What did you say? Did you say anyway? What did you know? What did you do? Did you think you didn't know? Oh my God, I, I love to be somebody Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.